Whether you're a teacher or a student or a principal or a teacher's assistant or a janitor or whoever you are, maybe you just work in the office at the school district or whatever you do, if you are involved in the schools or in any campus or any, you know, maybe university or whatever you are involved in in any way this morning, I believe that this is going to be the best school year for you. Somebody say amen. And so the Word of God says this in Matthew 18, 18. It says this. He said, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever. Somebody say, whatsoever. You shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Somebody say amen. See, we're believing this morning for you to have the best school year in 2019 and 2020. Amen? That's what we're believing for. We're believing for the best school year in 2019. And so the Bible has given us a clear indication that if any two of you would agree on earth, those of you that have been attending Family Worship Center for a while, at the beginning of the year, I want to challenge you now at this Back to School Sunday to go back and look at your agreement card from the beginning of the year and look to see what it is that you're believing God for and see how many things have already come to pass. And if they haven't come to pass yet, just begin to thank God and praise God that they're going to come to pass. Somebody say amen. You know, there's things that I've seen that I've had on my list that, that maybe I didn't get it in a, within a year, and I began to thank God that it has already come in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. And, and so, you know what, but, by, but many times within just a few months or within just a little bit of time, everything, almost four out of the five things that I believe for have already come to pass. Somebody say amen. And so my wife and I, we're going to pray and lay hands on everyone going back to school. And so we're going to put this scripture into action and, uh, and put this, 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 this into action here this morning. And even with that, you know, it's important that we understand that, that laying on of hands is a fundamental doctrine in the church. Somebody say amen. I want you to go quickly to Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1 and verse 2, it says this. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. In other words, what he's saying here in Hebrews, we've forgotten what are the main doctrines of Christ. And so it's important for us to understand and to know that one of the doctrines that look at that again, it says, uh, it says, let us go on into perfection. Somebody say perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. God wants us to have repentance from dead works. God wants us to have faith towards God. Somebody say faith towards God and of the doctrine of baptisms. So there's a doctrine of baptisms on the laying on of hands. There's a doctrine of the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And so I say all that to say this morning is because sometimes maybe you came here this morning and you don't understand what's going on. You don't understand why is it important that Pastor, Steve, or Pastor Justin, not Pastor Steve, that's my pastor. But I mean, it's important when my pastor lays hands on me. Amen. You know, and it's important, too, that I honor my pastor. As my pastor comes, you know what, when Pastor Steve's here, you know, I can't even, I, you know, whenever I talk about Pastor Steve, I, I always had to put it in the, in the, in, in the honor way, and, and always, I always call my pastor Pastor Steve. 
Amen? I don't ever, he's not my buddy. He's not my friend. He's my pastor. Somebody say amen. He's my, he's the shepherd that looks over my soul. And so I honor him. I give him double honor. Amen. And so I don't go up and say, hey, Steve. No, I, I can't. Eat. Oh, when I say it, I just can't. Eat. Oh, just to give you an example. I always say Pastor Steve. Amen. And so I love my pastor because he watched over, and, and, and so he watched over my soul. But, but over the years, my pastor has laid hands on me and imparted into my life. Somebody say amen. And see, this morning, my wife and I, we're going to lay hands and impart over you and impart to your kids that this year, that this year, they're going to go back to school anointed. Somebody say amen. That this year is going to be different than last year. That maybe last year wasn't so great. Maybe last year it was difficult with your teachers and with your, with, with your kids going to school. Maybe they didn't have the right friends. Maybe they got picked on. But this year is going to be different. Somebody say amen. And so you've got to believe God for it. But it's important that we understand why it's so important for the laying on of hands. And that it's a doctrine found in the Bible. See, I think sometimes we think that, you know, I mean, we could just do a corporate prayer, but I believe it's important that the, the Bible says this in Acts 19, that Paul laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost, that there's an impartation that happens in, in, in your kids' lives and in your life whenever you receive from the man of God in your life. Somebody say amen. And so something mighty occurs when people of faith lay hands in the name of the Lord Jesus and upon those in faith who must receive it. See, it takes faith to receive. Somebody say amen. If you don't believe for it, if you don't believe this is going to be the best year, then I can lay hands on you all day long, but it's not going to make a difference in your life. You've got to believe. You've got to be in agreement with your kids that you're going to believe with me and believe with God that this year is going to be different than last year. Somebody say amen. You see, I'm so excited for your family today because you've decided to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness by being here today. Do you know that by being here today that you decided to seek God first? Amen? You chose today to teach your kids the ways of the Lord by putting things, by putting godly things first. Amen? Come on now. Because see, there's a there's hundred million things that are going on today that you and your family could have been doing. Y'all could have chose to go to the beach today. You could have chose to go out of town, but instead you decided to say, you know what? No, it's important that my child receives from, his, from their pastor and receives an anointing before they go back to school. And see, you're seeking the ways of God. You're putting God first. And see, I want to encourage you to make it a habit of having your family in the house of God every time the doors are open. Because you're seeking not just, you're not seeking from a man. I don't know about you, but I'm a man. I'm, a, I'm not perfect. How many know your pastor's not perfect? I mean, I'll be honest with you this morning. You know, this morning there's some things that I came in and, you know what, I wasn't perfect this morning. I didn't have a smile. I mean, the praise team can tell you, I didn't have a smile on my face this morning like I ought to have. I wasn't perfect this morning. But how many know that God can flow through imperfect people? And see, God is for us. And see, so sometimes, you know what, don't, if you're looking for a perfect church, then guess what? There is no perfect church. Because the moment you showed up, how many know you're not perfect? And the moment you showed up, now that perfect church just became imperfect. And so sometimes I see people, they go and they hop from this place to this place, and they go from here to there, and they keep looking and searching for this perfect place. I don't know about you, but I never stopped going to Walmart because there were hypocrites in there. And that's not going to stop me from coming to church. 
See, I heard people say that. They'll say, well, I ain't going to church. There's just a bunch of hypocrites down there. Well, that ain't ever stopped you from going to the movies and sitting beside them. That ain't ever stopped you from going to Walmart and shopping. That ain't ever stopped you from eating at Outback Steakhouse. But see, when it comes to God, see, God can flow through us. You know, I set aside time this week, and I prayed, and I sought for you and your kids. And I sought for you and for your kids going back to school and those teachers that are going back to school. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to see any shootings in Georgetown schools. I don't want to. I'm believing God that there will be no shootings, that there will be no knifings, there will be no suicides. Somebody say amen. But if we don't pray, if we don't make, if we don't set the foundation, if we don't have our heart right, then how are we going to receive if we're not even expecting God to do something? You see, God wants us to make Him our habitation, make the things of God, the kingdom of God, our habitation. And seeking the word. It's so important. Parents, I can't explain to you how important it is for you to teach your kids the word of God. Look at this. This is what it says in Joshua 24, verse 15. It says this. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites or in the whose land are you living? But as for me and my house and my household, we will serve the Lord. Somebody say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now I want you to say it again. Say, but as for me and my house, we will will serve the Lord. See, it's so important. I said it Wednesday night, and I'll say it again, but you know, I have a little three-year-old, Lexi, who's going to come in here, and I'm going to lay hands on her, and I want to encourage you parents that those of you that had kids in daycare, you know, they, they learn in daycare. Somebody say amen. I'm going to pray over the daycare leaders and over the, those that are going in daycare, but we call it school, and so she goes to school, but you know what? I, you know what? My wife and I, you know, Lexi, she likes to have things her own way, but my, you know, my, my three-year-old, she doesn't run my household. If, if I'm going to church, I don't let her choose. She doesn't get to decide whether she wants to go to church today or not. If she lives under my roof, if she lives in my household, then we're going to live that way. Now, if she wants to move out at three years old and live on her own and do her own thing, then she can go to church if she wants to. But you know what? That she knows, she, she's not, she, she, you know, at three years old, that's not a very wise choice. But see, sometimes what happens is, is our kids get to be about 15, 16, and they think, and we all of a sudden, we, we want to let our kids make their own decisions. And I'm not saying that independence isn't a bad thing, but see, we need to make sure that our kids are living a holy life and that it doesn't matter. You know, my, my child's not going to have a choice whether or not cheerleading camp is more important than church camp. If church camp is on the same week as cheerleading camp, then my daughter ain't going to cheerleading camp. She's going to church camp. Because what my daughter might receive at cheerleading camp might last for a month or two. But what my child's going to receive at church camp is going to last for a lifetime. See, I believe this, that the reason why I'm up here today, the reason why I'm at where I'm at today is because I went to a youth camp like Summer Sirs that we just showed you. And at a youth camp, God spoke to my heart and he spoke to my spirit and told me what I was going to do and where I was going to be and how God was going to how God was going to do things in my life and how he anointed me and put the gift of a pastor in my life. But I received it not at basketball camp, even though I love basketball. I didn't receive it at band camp, even though I love band. I received it at church. I received it seeking the kingdom of God. 
Somebody say, seek in the kingdom of God. And see, you know, I was even going to use this example. I just didn't have time. I thought of it late last night. But I was going to bring a big old Xbox, whatever, the newest PlayStation Xbox, and I was going to put it up here. And I was going to show it. And I was going to bring a sledgehammer this morning. And I was going to demonstrate how, see, sometimes all of a sudden, some of us as, as kids, as we get older, we think that the computer, the iPad, the, the, uh, the Xbox, the video game, you know what, I ain't, I ain't never had any Holy Ghost meeting on a, on a video game. I ain't never felt the presence of God while I was playing Mario. And I was going to give an example, and I was going to sledgehammer that thing and destroy it. But see, some of us, we have to choose whether what gods are you going to serve. It says this, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served, or, or, or are you going to serve the living God? Somebody say, I'm going to serve the living God. And I want to encourage you that as, 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 Lee, as guardians, as parents, you know, if you have somebody living in your household, it don't matter. If they're in college and they're still living in your household, guess what? They're under your roof. That's talking to you right there. And see, don't hinder your family by putting the kingdom of God in a place that doesn't matter. See, you can hinder your family. You can hinder your life by not putting the kingdom of God in a place that doesn't matter. See, if it doesn't matter to you whether you and your children go to church, I'd be careful. If it doesn't matter if you and your children pray for others, if it doesn't matter if you and your children tell others about Christ, because Christ said to go ye into all the world, when's the last time you took you and your kids and went and prayed for somebody else? When's the last time you went and told your kid, you know what, that, that, that your kid may be at school. I saw a picture of a kid at school. They were in the like 5K or something walking in, and they started laying hands on their classmates as they were walking into school. See, if, we, if, if, if you don't put God's kingdom first, if you don't put things, don't hinder your family by putting the kingdom of God in a place that doesn't matter. See, then you will need to have a self. See, some of us need to have a self-evaluation and find out who we are serving and whom we are seeking. As parents and guardians, we're responsible for the spiritual well-being of our kids. You know, I don't get it. You know, church is not just a babysitting place. There are some that parents will drive their kids and drop them off at church, and yet they don't come. And then there are some that parents, they'll drive their kids to another church but because they don't believe that, they'll be like, oh, it's okay. Johnny's going to learn today because it's, it's just good that Johnny's in church, right? And then they'll go to the church that they believe. No, it matters what you hear. It matters how you hear, and it matters what you hear. How do you expect your family to grow better in the kingdom of God if you're going to one place and your family's going to another place? See, you know what? You need to ask God and seek him and say, God, you know what? You know, I, my, my belief in what I try to preach is I'm trying to preach the whole counsel of God. Amen? That some days we teach on healing. Some days we preach on salvation. Some days we preach on prosperity. And I try to encompass all of that and preach on faith and all the different things and all the different aspects. But see, I want to ask you again, whom are you seek, serving and who, what are you seeking? But Psalms 127 says this. Uh, it talks about this. And we must remember that children are a heritage and a blessing from the Lord. And as gifts from the Lord, they are to be handled with and cared as precious beings in his image. Sometimes it seems to me that some people just expect God is going to bring their kids back to him because he loves them. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says this in Proverbs 22, 6. He says, train up. 
Somebody say, train up. Nudge your neighbor and say, train up. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. It doesn't say, let your child live any way they want to live. And when they're old, I, you know, God's promise is that all of a sudden they're going to just turn to the Lord. No, it says train up. So you've got to train up. There's a training that we have to do as parents that God has entrusted and instilled with us that we have a training. We have something that we have to aspire towards. Somebody say amen. And if we train up our child, then all of a sudden, then we actually get to determine the way in which our child's going to go. You just choose. You determine the way in which your child's going to go by the way you live every day in your life. Parents are commanded in the scripture to discipline their children. We are commanded in the scripture to teach our kids to know about God. It's not Pastor Justin's job to teach your kids about the scripture. Pastor Justin's job is to help enhance the scripture that your child's already learned. It's to help enhance what you've already learned. Somebody say amen. Because again, I'll tell you this. I, say, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. John 14, 15 says, if you love me. How many this morning say, I love God? How many? Raise your hand this morning. If you say you love God, you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus actually said this. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. He didn't say, if you love me, do whatever you want to do. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. See, it's our responsibility to introduce our children to the scriptures, which are able to make them wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. If you want your kids to be wise, then you need to teach them the scriptures. If you want your kids to be blessed, then you need to teach them the scriptures. Somebody say amen. Now I want you to go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to start with verse 1. I want to read this. And I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. He said, you should know this. Can you get it in the New Living Translation? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days. Somebody say the last days. There will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud. Scoffing at God and disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. I'm out with you. That's not my child. Amen? They will consider nothing sacred. See, that's why it's important that we reverence the house of God, that we reverence the things of God, because, see, there is a sacredness about God, that we ought to have a, a reverence to God. Somebody say amen. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. I don't know about you, but, you know, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. I believe it's one of the most important fruits of the Spirit because it, all the other fruits of the Spirit contend on the self-control. Are you going to be self-control? Are you going to control yourself enough to be loving? Are you going to self-control? Are you going to control yourself enough to say, God, I'm going to let the Spirit of God determine my steps more than anything else? Somebody say amen. So self-control. No self-control, they say, it says. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Verse 4, they will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And stay away, it says stay away. Somebody say stay away. 
from people like that. I like the King, New King James that said it this way, having a form of godliness but denying the power and from such people turn away. See, when we do a service like this, when it's back to school Sunday, and I'm not, I, I mean, I'm, I understand things happen, you know, things, you know, maybe somebody, you know, they had death in the family or, you know, wedding or I don't know, something going on, maybe they couldn't make it out of work, but I would have done everything in my power to make sure that if I wasn't pastoring here, that my daughter was at church on Sunday morning for my pastor to lay hands on them. Not because he's going to receive from a man. Because I want them to receive what, from what God had. See, sometimes people have a form of godliness. But see, when you don't show up, you're denying the power. You're saying it doesn't matter whether my, my kids go to church or not. When you decide that, you know what, we're not going to pray tonight. Because we, you know, then you're denying the power that God wants to bless you and your family. Somebody say amen. See, look at that. If we having a form of godliness, I don't know about you, I don't want to just have a form of godliness. See, that's why this morning it was so important for me that whenever I got up here, I know some of you might have never been here before and you thought it was crazy for Pastor Justin to get up there and jump around and get these kids praising the Lord and having them worship. But it was important for me because I don't want our kids to just have a form of godliness. I didn't just come to sing three hymns and a her. I came for my kids, for our kids and our teachers to receive something from God. But if we just came to spectate, if we just came for the show, if we just came for the light show, then we might as well have just sat home and watched football. But no, I came to have an encounter with God. And I want our children, and I want our teachers, and I want our schools to have an encounter with God. Somebody say amen. Not having a form of godliness, I'm not going to deny the power. That I'm believing this morning, when I lay hands on your kids, when I lay hands on the teachers, when I lay hands on the faculty, that there's going to be a transfer of power. That this day, that this year is going to be different than last year. Verse 6, they are kind who work their way. They are the kind of people who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. This is a New Living Translation. Verse 8, the, These teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jabris opposed Moses. They won't get away with this for long, verse 9 says. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are just as with Janus and Jambres. Actually, I missed something here. It said here, verse 8, these teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses. They have deprived minds and a counterfeit faith. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have counterfeit faith. You can actually have counterfeit faith. You can actually, I don't know about you, but see if, you know, and I probably, well, I know there's kids in here, but you know what? You know, it's truth anyhow. If I was going to be a sinner and I didn't believe in God, then I might as well be the best sinner that there ever was. Because just one sin, it doesn't matter if you've done 100 sins, one sin is enough for us not to make it into the kingdom of God. So if you're going to live on the fence, half in the world and half in the church, I don't know about you, but that's a miserable place to live. If, I, if I'm going to live for God, I might as well live for God 100% of the way. 
But if I'm not going to live for God, then I might as well not, you know, because see, God wants us to live 100% for him. Because I don't know about you, I don't want to have a counterfeit faith. I don't want to shipwreck my faith. Paul actually even said it that way too. And so we can actually, and so we're not careful. But look at this in verse 10. He said, but you, Timothy, or in other words, but us. He's talking to the church, to Timothy, his son in the faith. But it could be as if he's talking to us. Certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and income and Lystra. And but the Lord rescued me out of it all. Somebody say, the Lord delivered them out of them all. See, God will deliver you out of it all. It doesn't matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do. God will deliver you out of it all. Somebody say amen. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will, be, they will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things that you, ha- that, ha- that you have been taught. You must know that they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. Look at this. Verse 15. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. You have been taught as a little child. Do you know that almost 90% of believers will determine before the age of 12 to choose to serve Jesus Christ for their life? Not when they turn 21. Not when they turn 35. Not when they decide to have kids. They'll determine before the age of 12 whether or not they're going to live for Christ. 90%. That's why it's so important for your kids to come and hear the word and be taught the word and taught the Bible and taught how to pray. And you read the Bible with them and you pray with them and you spend time in the presence of God with them. Somebody say amen. Look at this. I love this. Verse 16. All scripture. Somebody say all scripture. Is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. See, I think many times we think that our experience is what teaches us, but no, God's word is what teaches us. God's word, actually, God actually gives us his word that we can actually know before we experience something, we can know how to deal with the situation. You don't have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. God has a teaching. He has a let. He has. It's already written in the Bible that God has already taught you. He's already taught us that whenever we stand before the Red Sea, all of a sudden we can turn our attention to God and he'll cause the the, the sea to stand up that we can walk over in dry ground. He'll call the miracle to happen. But if we haven't been taught how to live a life of faith, if we haven't been taught to live according to the scriptures, if we haven't been taught to do what is right, then how will our kids, 
How will the next generation know how to live the right way? Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Somebody say every good work. Every good work. I can't say that scripture enough. We learn from God's word. Look at that. Verse 16, one more time. All scripture. Somebody say all scripture. Is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. You know, this morning, most of my message has just been mostly just scripture. All I did was read 2 Timothy, and I read it in the New Living Translation. But this morning, see, if you said, man, Pastor Justin, that stepped on my toes, it wasn't me stepping on your toes. That was God's word. And there's times, see, God is teaching us to live the right way. And it teaches us that if we're doing something wrong, then we need to turn that around. And start walking in the light in which God has given us. Because see, God uses his word. He doesn't use sickness. He doesn't use disease. He doesn't use poverty. He doesn't use any of those things. Because you'll hear, you know, well, God's got me in a Job experience. And God's got me wandering through the wilderness. And God did this to me. And God put this sickness on my body to teach me something. That is not the God that I serve. God said, he didn't say that he does that. He says he uses his word. He gave us his word. God uses his word to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. We have a choice whether or not we're going to follow it, whether we're going to live it, whether we're going to do what the word of God declares for us to do. Somebody say amen. You have a choice today. And see, I declare this morning, I believe that this is a day that it was important for us to receive the word of God. How many received the word this morning with gladness? See, don't walk out of here and don't allow the enemy to steal the word that's been sown in your heart. Don't allow the enemy to come and choke out the word. You know what the word, when it says to choke out the word, it means for it to become not, it means like it would choke it out where it can't get through, that it chokes it, that it can't, even though you heard it, it's not supplying, it's not coming, it's not, you're not receiving it to the fullest benefit. But see, God wants us to receive of his word. Somebody say amen. See, I don't know about you. I declare this morning. I'm gonna, I want you to be in agreement with me. I declare over all of Georgetown schools that they are blessed. Somebody say blessed. And they are will flourish. And then they'll have anointed teachers and anointed students. And God's angels will have a hedge of protection about us. And watch over every school, over every student, over every one of our kids that we bind this morning. We bind every work of the devil in Georgetown School in the name of Jesus. We declare that there will be no killings in Georgetown Schools. No shootings. No knifings. No suicides. Somebody say amen. You know, we had a young man. He, went, he was a senior year. He went to youth camp. And all of a sudden, God was dealing with him. And he didn't really want to go to youth camp. I kind of talked him into it last minute. Got him to go. And while he was there, God touched his life. The enemy had come and tried to attack his mind and tried to tell him that he wasn't good enough. That at one point he got to a place that he even thought about and started contemplating suicide. But at church camp, God touched his heart and changed him from the inside out. And he realized that it was God that was more important. It's not self-righteousness. Every time he's up here praising the Lord, 
He's telling the devil, the devil's under my feet. I praise in Jesus. God has turned my life around. I'm exalting him. But it's all because of a moment in time, because of a prayer, because of a a receiving of an impartation. Somebody say amen. And see, that's what the enemy wants to do. I don't know how how much it is. I don't know the statistics. But see, our schools today... You know that you just you can just see it on their kids' face. They have the, they have. Think of how much our kids have today compared to where you might have been when you grew up, and how they have their phone. Their I mean technology. They have the world at their fingertips. Yet instead of being the joyous, the most happiest, the 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 most patient, the most kind, instead they're they're at a place where. You know, and I'm not speaking this over our kids, but I'm just saying that you can just see as a whole, it's almost as if the enemy has tried to bring on this depression and as if like things aren't good enough and as if things aren't, aren't better and into a place that God wants them to be. But yet, no, God has greater. God has greater because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Our kids aren't going to go back to school depressed. They're not going to go back to school with depression and anxiety. They're not going to deal with suicidal thoughts. They're not going to have friends that cut themselves that brings that thought into their mind. Somebody say amen. We bind suicidal spirits in every student in Jesus' name. We bind depression and anxiety because greater is he that is in us, in me, than he that is in the world. We declare it over our children that they will have the right teacher, the right friends, the right classmates, the right school, and our teachers and our students can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Because every good gift, somebody say every good gift, and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turn. Last scripture. I'm going to encourage the praise team to come back up. We're going to praise and worship as my wife wife and I are going to come and lay hands on everyone this morning that came for prayer. But Romans 8.28 says this, all things, somebody say all things, all things work together for good to those who love God and those that are called according to his purpose. You know what, students, I want to encourage you, maybe you might get to a class and it might not be your favorite teacher. And maybe somebody sitting next to you might not be your best friend. But God says all things work together for good. God might have you there to be able to be a witness to somebody else in that classroom, to turn that classroom around. They might, you might be there to be an example to show your teacher that, you know what, they can see God in you and through you. Somebody say amen. How do you know if you love God? If you obey his commands. I want to close with this. God's promises are not an automatic. His love is, but his promises are conditional. It says this, that we must choose today whom we will serve, either God above or our selfish desires. But see, I believe this, that God wants us to be blessed. I'm going to just read quickly Deuteronomy 28. I'm just going to read the latter part. It says in verse 12, and the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, and will give you rain in your land in its season to bless all the work of your hand. I don't know about you, but I want my kid's hand to be blessed when they go to write on that, on that exam. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, above and only and not beneath. 
And if you need the commandments of the Lord our God, which I command you today, you are and are careful to observe them. See, God wants us to be obedient to his word. Somebody say amen.